So I guess the right way to say it is X marks the spot, and the X in X marks the spot is one of the original five X-Men, and it's not Jean Grey. Take it from there, a spoiler alert, if you've not read The Death of X number four, because that is what we're talking about tonight. Welcome back everyone who is listening. We're glad to have you back. And we are glad that you are listening to us tonight, or this morning, or whenever it may be that you're listening to us, whatever you're doing. And the us tonight is going to be myself and my co-host, Clarence Brown. Hey, Clarence. Hey, guys. Kyle, once again, an excellent intro. And, uh, you know, um, I'm happy to get on and talk about some uh, Death of X again and, and, and wrap things up and see how this story actually unfolded. Yep, because the last time we talked Death of X, we had reviewed the very first issue, which was one of four issues, and since then, we've had Death of X 2, 3, 4, and we've had the lead-in to the next phase of the story, which is going to be the Inhumans versus X-Men, so we've read the zero issue of that, but let's focus a little bit about the story of death of x and again let's not reveal exactly who's dying because well i guess it's okay to reveal who's dying because for anyone who's read it we pretty much have known for the last year that cyclops died yes yes certainly uh and yeah i think the how and the unfolding of what actually happened is the thing that is the biggie of, of, yeah, of, good the, point. of the of the book and yeah it's just really i was shocked by the end of it of what actually went down um did it did it give you any shock or pause or it, were you you know it actually did, did and i think from looking at it from the perspective of i'm someone who has read comic books for so many years so it's kind of hard to kind of shock me and this, this, I didn't expect it to happen that way. So, so I give kudos uh, to the writing because I, like I said, did not expect the ending that it had. So why don't we set up the story? So we know from issue number one that we had the uh, uh, X-Men go to Muir Island and the multiple man has died. And we see the Inhumans and the Terrigen mist and... We find out, okay, the um, Terrigen Cloud is going to be lethal to mutants. And so we figure that out, obviously, with the death of Multiple Man. So, so what's the Multiple Man's real name? Uh, uh, Jamie Madrix. Ma- okay. Okay. And, and we actually saw him in um, X3, the movie X3. He was the one that when... Magneto and Mystique broke uh, Juggernaut out of the the prison van or whatever it was that he was in. There was another guy that got out and he duplicated himself. Well, that's multiple man. That's Jamie Madrix. Got you. Got you. And, and uh, I, I I find it funny. Like, well, I guess we'll eventually talk talk about this later. Is that right? Why they called the the sickness Mpox? Is because of him? Because he was the first to die, or is it something totally different? I, was, I always took I it. Of. I always took it as it, Mpox stood for mutant pox. 
Uh, well, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah. more sense actually. And <laughs> when you want to talk re- re- rehashing stories, there was actually um, a virus that was um, killing mutants back in the late '80s, early '90s, and which was synonymous in my opinion a little bit with the AIDS virus that was the, so much of an epidemic back then that was killing mutants and it was called the legacy virus and it was a another villain who had released this virus that was killing only mutants so this impox to me is a little reminiscent or rehashing of that story just a little different twist on it yeah and one thing i found that was really surprising is the ability of the x-men to actually find people with the x gene so easily is that something that's been going on for a while or is it like a new invention or oh no 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 no. we've had cerebro well cerebra was a revision of cerebro but cerebro has pretty much been in story if not totally from day one well back into the original x-men that his that computer of finding the x you know gene or people who are mutants go so far back to the very beginning yeah, that's funny because I thought, at least from the perspective of the movies, I thought it always depended on Professor X. They, it, it seems like in the movies they don't really say that it's the machine itself that can do that, but it's more of uh, Professor X's abilities that allows it to do that. So maybe there's just a difference from the movie universe versus the comic book. No, because if you'll remember, there is a scene where Gene actually uses Cerebro in the movie. Yeah, but again, a person with psychokinetic powers, right? Using it and and, and I think the key, the key, mostly is the the need of the psionic ability in order to use it. Okay, got you, got you. And Which we, we we'll talk about later. Uh, I, I I didn't realize Emma Frost had these abilities. I don't know, maybe I just forgot it. But we're going to see that she has similar abilities to do this these things that Gene and um, uh, Professor X can do uh, as far as talking to people. Right, exactly. So, um, so we see Cyclops, and and as we know, let's make a distinction. We know the original five X Men, the teenage versions of the original five X Men, are in the present, and that's a totally separate storyline from from this. But having said, there was teenage Cyclops, or still is teenage Cyclops. And there's also this version of Cyclops who has been around since 1963 that we know die or dies in Death of X. So that whole duality of the two storylines or the two characters, do you think that that makes the older versions of these characters dispensable? In a large sense, I think it does. Um, well, I, it just depends if 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 um, I, I can see it as a ploy to repopulize a character, or like we're going to talk about later in the instance of Jean Grey to try to uh, it reintroduce the character to a new generation and maybe have that character go through the same some of the same things it already has as an older character, but they can kind of rehash it in a way that is. Uh, that works with the storyline. Agreed. Because no longer are people clamoring for, when is Gene going to come back from the dead? 
When is Jean going to come back from the dead? Inevitably, Jean will come back from the dead. People aren't asking that anymore because why? Jean is here. She's just young Jean. You know, so you've got, it's almost like they're, it's what you're saying. They're, they're taking these characters and making them fresh for a new generation or a new telling of the stories, but yet keeping them not in an alternate dimension or an alternate story or an alternate universe. These are your originals. They are just now in the present. Yeah, which I think that ultimately works better for me um, as, as someone who hates convoluted storylines. You know, this is convoluted in a sense, but still it works in the context of the story. And again, we just talked, uh, you just foreshadowed to some news we're going to talk about later, but I think they made an announcement on Iceman as well and dealing with hit the older and the younger. So you can also have those type of dynamics where they're dealing with, with each other and, and how they're going to coexist. So. I, th- I think it's an exciting move. All right. Well, let, let me let me mention or ask you a question. You made a reference to Emma, and since Emma is central to this entire story, what was your question? Or tell me a little bit about your thoughts of what you didn't understand or know in regards to Emma. Uh, I don't. I didn't. I don't know that I knew that she had those type of. Uh, abilities like gene or professor x to actually jump in people's mind and talk to them uh or even project the image or or i guess it's not really an image it's just a, a figment in their mind that looks real i guess so i didn't i didn't quite realize she had that ability i just thought she was diamond lady <laughs> okay so <laughs> from the nice. movie and i could see that because if you take her from the movie x-men first class it, they focus more on the diamond aspect, less on, you know, the psychic abilities that she had. Yeah, I, in, a, in a movie, I can't remember them even touching on that at all. I mean, just be forgetting. But, yeah, I, I did not realize that at all. Yeah, I think the movies, she may have overheard someone or she may have, you know, uh, did something mental at you know, at one point, but you're right in the movie, it was not played up the psychic abilities that she had. However, the diamond form that she has did not come about until 2000, I think 2002 or 2003 when she actually huh. joined the X-Men, which is funny. Cause I was just going to say, maybe it took time for her to develop the psychic abilities. So when we're first seeing her in first class, she doesn't have them yet. But it's funny to me that you just say that they gave her the diamond part later, which yep. is totally backwards. They, the, the story or the, the, the storyline goes or the backstory kind of goes when they created new, when, well, when they christened the X-Men book that was just X-Men at the time, new X-Men, and writer Grant Morrison came aboard. He wanted to have Beast, Cyclops, uh, Wolverine, Jean Grey, and Colossus. Or he needed there needed to be a strong man in in this in the story. Well, Colossus at the time was dead, so you couldn't use Colossus in this story because, like I said at the time, he was dead. So who were they going to use in as the strong character in his place? 
Well, they decided, well, let's put Emma Frost in there, but let's say she had a secondary mutation, and let's say that she can become diamond skin, diamond strong, and whatever, and that's how she joined. Because she was actually a villain at the beginning. Really? Yep. She was a member of the Hellfire Club, and I think they, well, we'll talk about that later, but... um, she was originally a member of the Hellfire Club as the White Queen, and that was pretty much true to form in how she was introduced in first class. Yes, that's correct. I remember that. Not yeah. portrayed very well but um, in first <laughs> class, but, but, but accurate in the fact of she did wear lingerie all day. That was her costume, just lingerie, uh, high boots, and a, a cloak. But other than that, lingerie, and that was her costume. Which is pretty much true to form. They've put a little bit more clothes on her over the years since she became an X-Man. But other than that, she, that's pretty much been her costume. Yeah, it's, been, it's pretty much the same from the yeah. <laughs> drawings I've seen as well. So what do you think about the ongoing battle between the X-Men and the Inhumans and this Terrigen Cloud? Um, through the course of these books, we see where they actually... Uh, get rid of one of the clouds there's two supposedly two on earth floating around earth and they get rid of one of them how did you think Uh, about is that not true or yeah 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 it is and i'm thinking let me let me preface my answer to your question by asking you a question you mentioned the the terrigen cloud tell me what your understanding is of the terrigen cloud What, what what is that uh, I don't know what it's comprised of, but what it does is unlocks the inhuman ability, the the I guess dormant in, in, inhuman gene or ability uh, in the inhumans. It is not supposed to affect anybody else, or so they think at this point. But again, we're finding that that's not true. It affects mutants in one of three ways: does nothing, makes them really sick, or kills them. With, correct. With the, so Co- correct. So. Having said that, and the reason I, 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 I asked that question before answering your question was because of this. With the Inhumans, when they've been fe- featured over the years since their creation, they've had that back um, burner storyline. You know, they've, they've been supporting characters. You've had Medusa join the Avenge- um, Fantastic Four, excuse me. You've had Crystal join both the Avengers and the Fantastic Four for a while. Other than that, the other members of the royal family have been seen when Inhumans are part of, you know, the this, this story of whatever story is being told. They've not had a prominent place in the Marvel Universe. So when you ask me, what do I think about the battle or the fighting between the Inhumans and the X-Men, I answer that by saying, well, I think it's really a battle, per se, between Fox and Marvel Studios. Yes, which we've kind of talked a bit about before. before. Right. And Go ahead. No, I was just saying that, uh, you know, we, we've said that there it it's ultimately looks like it could be a rights issue of where they could or what they could use in which movies. 
but I mean, from the announcements that we're going to talk about later, I kind of feel like that's not true anymore because it seems like they're going back to X Men in a big way uh, with a lot of changes. Uh, so I don't I don't know if it's true to say that they're trying to can the X Men for the Inhumans any longer, but I, I do see your point of what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, I'm going to make a speculation. I will either say that A, they angered fans, and I'm talking about uh, Marvel, uh, A, they angered fans enough to where some of their sales started to dwindle. And, uh, you know, if you look at market share between DC and you look at Marvel's share between, you know, the two comics, uh, a market share, not Marvel's share, between <laughs> DC and Marvel since Rebirth, DC is now beating Marvel most months again. And, wow. um, you know, for many months prior, Marvel, or, you know, probably more than months prior, Marvel was beating DC in the market share value. So if you look at that aspect and seeing that, hey, DC is doing well by giving fans what they wanted, you know, you're, you're restoring the stories, you're restoring what you've changed that people didn't like. And it's almost like Marvel is following suit to somewhat as don't make the um, don't try to force the Inhumans down our throats. Don't make us try to like Inhumans just because you're going to oversaturate us with the Inhumans. Give us a good story and make us like the Inhumans because of the great story. But don't do that at the expense of the X-Men. Yes, certainly. Um, so, um, again, get back to the, the, the Death X. Uh, what do you think about, um, of course, we have uh, Storm attempting to mull over the situation and come to an agreement uh, between the Inhumans and X-Men. And what do you think about Scott Summers' just outright defiance against what's going on, which we'll talk about later a little bit more. But it, it, as we know from books two and probably halfway through three, we, we see that he's very adamant against um, trying to have any type of alliance because he's, he's acting like there's no way they're out to get us and we have to take them out. It's kind of his stance on things. You know, and it was pretty much true to form with how Cyclops acted after he inadvertently or uncontrolled at the time of himself killed the professor. And after he did that, and the mutant population, in a way, looks at him as, well, you're not a martyr, you're almost a pariah now. He went so far that even Magneto joined him, meaning he, he became the epitome, to some degree, of what Magneto had been at the very beginning, this star pupil of Ch Charles Xavier, the golden child basically of Charles Xavier, not only is the person who kills Charles Xavier, but then becomes uber militaristic and the humans are out to get us and we're going to take the fight to the streets kind of thing. So I think that was very, to answer your question, I think that was very in character for how he had been portrayed over the last five years or so. Yeah, it's so funny because like, 
I mean, from reading the books myself, I felt like it was a no-win situation, which uh, hands off to Marvel for creating that no-win situation that it's like no matter what anyone did, yeah, it wouldn't be pretty for one side or the other. And I don't I, I said it's a good writing, but man, it just seems like no matter if, if, if they destroyed the cloud, you know, uh, you would take away the Inhumans' abilities to get new uh, recruits or unlock this ability in all of, of this dormant in a lot of people. And um, if if they let it go, it could potentially kill mutants. So I just thought it was it was a very good um, opposition on both sides to make an interesting story. Right, because if you look at Civil War Two, you know I know we've discussed it and we've. We we all know that I don't like Carol Danvers, but there's a reason why there's two sides. And, you know, whether you disagree or agree with either side, there's there, it's it's a point of opinion, so to speak, with Civil War Two with and even with Civil War One, for that matter. But with this, you're right. You have a people who are being for lack of a better word, exterminated for just being who they are. But you are having another set of people who are the aggressors, but not because they've done anything to be aggressive. It's just that's who they are. So, So you're right. It is an interesting setup to where there is no clear line between right and wrong. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, throughout the rest of these books, I thought that um, Crystal would have a bigger role because by the end of the first book, they show her and Scott, like, facing off each other. But it seems like Crystal kind of just falls off through the rest of the books. I mean, we see her, but she's not really uh, as important to the story to me as maybe Medusa and, and Scott and Emma. And that's pretty much been how it's been for the entire creation of the Inhumans, she will also be always be second string to Medusa. Yes, awesome. You know, which if you look at the, um, you know, the two, the powers of the two, you you would think that the one who can control fire, air, earth, and wind would be <laughs> much more powerful and much more dominant in a personality than the one can that can just move her hair around i mean if you just boil it down to it <laughs> yeah yeah because i mean it's not like medusa can turn people to stone she can just move her hair yeah that's that's a weird ability yeah <laughs> so um again i talked about them destroying one of the clouds when that was going down the human brought inhumans brought their team so i have to ask you What's up with the huge, gigantic dog? What What is that all about? Because I was like, uh-huh. Okay, what? so Lockjaw is actually an inhuman, just like they are. He's not a dog. Pers- yes, he looks like a dog, and he's referred to as their dog. But if I am not uh, incorrect in saying this, Lockjaw is just like any other inhuman, but when he came out of Terragenesis, he, that was his form. And he's smart, just like they are, and he can. His power is teleportation, so he is how they get around, but so so to speak. That sounds incredibly weird. <laughs> and he's a member of the royal family. He's not just their dog. He's a member of the inhuman royal family because 
um, now let me ask you this: Do you do you think is it your understanding that the clouds, the Terrigen clouds, have they always been there and been floating around, or, and something happened to them, or is are are the clouds new? I think they're new. They, uh, I don't know how they got there, but I just kind of feel they're new. All uh, right, so here's how they got there. You are right; uh, they are new, and the the Inhumans have always lived in seclusion. And the Inhumans, which I'm going to tie a little bit, and this may from, come from watching uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you may already know this, but uh, they were created by the Kree, who are the same people that the original Captain Marvel, not, not Carol Danvers, but the original Captain Marvel came from. And they're also uh, from the same uh, people that Ronan the Accuser, he's Kree came from so you've you've heard of the Kree either in uh, if you've not seen them in comics you've heard of them in either Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah certainly all right so um, so having said that they were the results of experiments done on early uh, cavemen like humans and they evolved these uh Ca- uh, cavemen to be something inhuman not like what they were then they evolved them and they gave them these or they they had these crystals um, that allowed them to unlock powers well the inhumans lived on a mountain for that was how they were uh, introduced so for centuries they lived on a mountain in seclusion and then at some point when they were in the Fantastic Four in the 60s and 70s, they left Earth and went to something called the blue area of the moon, which is a part of the moon that has oxygen. And they lived on it until sometime five, ten years ago when they came back to Earth and there was a fight between Black Bolt and his um, insane brother Maximus the Mad and it was during that fight that there's this Terrigen bomb that goes off and when that happens it uh, releases the cloud and uh. and it destroyed if I'm not mistaken it destroyed all the Terrigen crystals and so that's why that cloud even now, more important. <laughs> yeah, is even more important there are no more crystals left so is is Black Bolt a part of the royal family, as as you say it? Yes, he's the king. He's the king. Wow, <laughs> I didn't get that at all. <laughs> yeah, he and Medusa. Uh, I think after the Terrigen Cloud was released, I'm not. Sh- I th- well, I know at one point um, several years ago, Black Bolt was assumed dead because they were off in space. The Inhumans were, and they he was fighting this character called Vulcan and Vulcan was this extremely powerful mutant. And I don't, I'm not sure I missed the issue where um, he and Black Bolt are fighting to the point to where it looks like they killed each other. But then we find out later that Black Bolt didn't die. Now, a side note here, any ideas since we're talking death of X uh, who um, Vulcan may have been related to. Yeah, I'm not even sure who Vulcan is. I have no clue. All right, so I'll give you a hint. Um, 
he is also dead now, assuming, and his brother also dies during Death of X. Hmm. Yep. He was the uh, a long lost Summers brother. So there was actually three. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Yep. So that was um, that was that was something or character that they created, like I said, back about ten years ago now. So, um, so, so if Medusa, I mean, if Black World is the king, Medusa is still in charge, though. Although it seems from from yeah, uh, I can't, and 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 I don't know this because I actually, you know, didn't because not really being that much into the Inhumans at the time, I'm not sure why he's not, you know, assumed his royal throne again. However, it looks like he may be doing that in 2017. But, um, you know, it looks like for whatever reason that he's uh, second tier to her now. So I have to ask, is, is uh, again, on Black Boat, is he kind of, it, I'm, I'm assuming the humans are still mostly good, good guys. Because mm-hmm. uh, I guess we have to talk about it. You know, we, we've mentioned already Cyclops gets killed. And it seems like he doesn't even flinch. He just takes them out. All right. So, to your understanding, Black Bolt, what is his powers? I have no idea. Is it like some energy beam or something? I'm well, it is, it, his mutation, because if you notice, Black Bolt never says anything. He's pretty huh. much quiet. And the reason he's quiet and that Medusa always speaks for him is not because he thinks he's too good for anyone. His voice shatters mountains. Or, or his voice is his power. And it is so powerful that a whisper can destroy, you know, like, uh, it's like a sonic, supersonic boom, to so, so to speak. Ah, Makes sense. So that Makes is sense. It, that is how he, when everyone is standing there watching, and he speaks, and he kills, and disintegrates uh, Cyclops. That that's what the world sees, and they see, uh, you know, Black Bolt basically disintegrating Cyclops down to, uh, you know, nothing. That uh, is the power of his voice. Which so is, I want, you know, go ahead. Oh, go- I was just going to briefly ask, uh, I guess if we uh, just go back a little bit, the other, well, some more of the X-Men and the uh, the team led by Crystal got trapped on wherever they were. I can't remember where it was. They got trapped by Magneto and his cronies came and like just held them there while, while the other guys tried to destroy the cloud. Uh, you mentioned Emma's relationship with Magneto. I want to ask you, what's up with Magneto's look in this book? He looks very different than <laughs> than anything else I've seen him in. He has sort of like this black suit looking thing. I've just never seen him drawn that way. Yeah, you know, it's like they can't make up their minds as to what, um, you know, how the character is going to look, how, what are they going to be wearing. And I know that sounds... See, and you actually proved, and I know I'm bouncing here, but you actually proved a point that I that that I've had, or an argument that I've had about having so many variations and so many books going on. I mean, back when I started reading, whether it was Avengers or whether X Men or what, it was a big deal when somebody joined the X Men, 
It was a big deal when someone left. It was actually a big deal when, you know, somebody changed their costume. I mean, when Wolverine went from the yellow and blue and black to wearing a brown and black costume, that was a big deal. And partly part of it being a big deal was there was only one book. So there wasn't any artist or writer having to check with editing or check with, uh, you know, the main office or whatever as well. Should we draw Magneto in a red uh, costume? Should we draw him in a black or draw him in a white or whatever? You pretty much knew because there was only one. So I, what's up with how he was looked? I just think that that's how they chose to draw him at that particular time. Yeah, which I could definitely see that because, I mean, you have all sorts of different artists doing these books. And you can even tell from one series to the next, like uh, when we talk about IVX, the IVX book, Mm -hmm. they look they look different in that. So, uh, yeah, I just know it's part of the business. But, you know, as a non-comic, real comic book reader, just getting into it, this stuff, things that I notice. Well, I think it goes to point to where I think they should pay a little bit more attention to detail because if you notice that and I'm almost numb to it because it's like it's it's become uh you know oh well they just messed up here oh well they just did this but I think they should pay a little bit more attention to detail and I'll give you another example um since they gave Storm the mohawk back Sometimes Uh you will see Storm with the mohawk, and she'll have short white hair on the sides of her head. Sometimes another artist will draw her with the mohawk, and it's shorter with no, you know, short white hair on the sides of her head. Then the next issue, another artist is drawing it, and the mohawk is all the way down her back. So, (laughs) you know, it's like, be consistent. But see, back when they um, first gave her the mohawk, it... It gradually, even with different artists, from the, from the time she cut her hair, which was a big deal that she cut her hair, from the time she cut her hair up until the time when uh, she got her powers back, the and and again different artists, but her hair steadily grew, you know, longer, and and they were consistent with it. So it kept, even though artists changed. There was a little bit of you knew that, oh, well, if I see Storm looking like this, this is about this. You know what I'm saying? So there, regardless who who it was, if it was Storm or if it was Wolverine or whatever, they were consistent in their looks. Gotcha. And that makes a lot of sense to do it that way. But <laughs> they, hey, times are changed or times <laughs> yeah. have changed. Certainly. They may think people are just used to it now because you have so many different properties with these characters in them now, from video games to comics to movies. So, you know, it, a lot of people, I think if they just see the core elements, they can, you know, just easily... make, sure, make sure it's recognizable. Yes. Got you. So we saw, let me ask you this. So we saw, um, you know, Magneto show up with his with his team and you know, obviously Magneto doesn't like what's going on. You've got Scott and Emma doing their thing. And then you've got Storm's group that's doing their own thing. But did you notice that the mutants, even, even with this disaster could not come together 
you know, they the Inhumans were united in their front of what they wanted. The um, mutants were all over the place. Did you was that just me, or did you notice that too? Well, I mean, it was kind of just two groups, and I guess we're going to see it more in IVA, the IVX book. But you have the 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 more peaceful group to try to resolve it, you know, without violence, and then you have the you have the group that are, you know, pretty much just gung ho and want to, <laughs> by any means necessary, er- eradicate the situation or solve the situation. Um, so yeah, I, I think that may be normal in a lot of ways because if you think, it, especially with the mutants, you have all types, a, a wide array of characters, and you know, even with just think of Logan, he's kind of the hero that. It's not really with the group. He kind of wanders off and stuff and comes back. So uh, I just think they're very, I'm not going to say they're divided, but they're just very diverse in their uh, methods. belief systems or methods as, as well. So, again, if you look at the Inhumans, they are led by a king, a king, a queen, and a royal family, as you put it. So I think they're, they are just more suited or well-suited to be uh, – very unified in, in their stance. Okay, point taken. Good point. So if you had to ask or answer this question, um, or if you had to answer this question, how would you answer it? And the question being, who is right, X-Men in <laughs> or neither? Um, you know what? I, I, I think neither are right, but the way the mutants make a martyr out of Scott, which he truly was a martyr, but wasn't. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess we're gonna. I guess we might as well go ahead and mention it. If, if, right, but, yeah, because because it's about the time. Let's let's go ahead and mention it. So um, let me say, let me preface it by saying this. I said earlier, and I gave it in great detail about how everyone uh, saw Black Bolt disintegrate. Cyclops. So, X Death of X number four. I uh, with what happened in Death of X number four, or what is revealed in Death of X number four. The everyone saw Black Bolt disintegrate. Uh, Cyclops is actually, and I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, it's actually a huge deception. Uh, again, we alluded to it earlier. Uh, Emma Frost's powers allows her to do some psychokinetic babble thing. I don't know. But Cyclops wasn't real. In fact, he's been dead since the first time they walked into the facility on the island of Mir- Myriad. Mir, Mir Island. Mir, Mir Island to, in the first book. So what we've been seeing is hasn't even really been Cyclops. It's just been a projection of some sort, which, you know, I I did not expect that at all. I was just shocked. I was like, whoa. And and then, you know, we see that the uh, Stepford Cuckoos, Cuckoos, I hate saying that. (laughs) The Stepford Cuckoos kind of knew about it all along. Uh, I guess they sensed it in a way, but. Yeah, I hate the fact that he was a martyr. He he's being put up as a martyr when that martyrdom was kind of fake, <laughs> very fake. Uh, I think she could have been just as effective by uh, just 
and maybe it wouldn't have had the same impact. So maybe she was right for doing what she did, you know, because, you know, to just say that he died versus him going out in a blaze of glory for a meaning and pushing this cause forward is a huge difference. So I'm kind of torn about that. But, yeah, I, I didn't like it. I don't think I liked it. All right. Well, here's here's my take. You know, I that was the point that I meant that I did not see that coming. And the fact that you were able to surprise me and, you know, I give that credit to the writing. Having said that, ever since 2003, when Emma Frost joined the X-Men in the back of your mind or in the back of my mind, I was wondering, when's she going to turn? When's she going to go back to being the White Queen? When is she going to betray the X-Men? And she's not betrayed the X-Men to this, you know, until now. Because here's what I think happened. His death and the way it happened, basically, you had this leader of the mutant revolution or who had always been the key leader for the most part of the X-Men other than when Storm was leading them. But the original X-Men, Scott Summers, dies not in a blaze of glory, like you said, but just falling dead. Dead. That's it. Nothing more. Dead. I think that pushed her over the edge. And if you look at the last panel of uh, how she looks when she's saying, I made him an idea, there's a look of insanity about her. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and and even when we get into Inhumans versus X-Men Zero, and you see her standing on the top of a cliff, jumping off with a timer, turning to Diamond, getting back up, going back up the hill, and getting ready to jump off again, that's not the actions of a sane person. Yes. And and again, I know we alluded earlier to the um, Civil War discussion. It's Her mentality is kind of the same that you can see in some of the characters in Civil War. Uh, seeing somebody... And you know, I, well, I guess I need to ask you this. Do you think her... Do you think her um, her her being so adamant about this is more about her wanting power, or like you said, returning to being the White Queen, or is it because I I what I got from it is that she just loved Scott, she really loved him, and the fact that he died in such a um, unheroic way is what kind of drove her overboard. Correct. That uh, I'm 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 agreeing with you a thousand percent. This isn't about I'm evil again. This is about revenge. You know, this, whatever she's got planned, uh, whatever she's planning, and she's planning something, but whatever she's planning is not about I want power, I want money, I want whatever. I want revenge on the inhumans for what they did. Yes, I, I agree. Now, now whether, the, whether, what they did is in her mind actually what they did or whether it is her grief that is fueling her delusion. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving her a, um, I'm not trying to give her a buy by the fact of I'm saying she's grieving, but I don't think the Emma that we're seeing now is 
literally of sound mind. I think she is disturbed at this point. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Down to so you, it, you know, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, is there anything else in the, in the, uh, the death X that you want to bring up before we move on to, uh, IVX or. No, I think that's, I think that's pretty much it for the death of X. Uh, you know, I think IVX, which is of course, uh, the next storyline or part of this story saga that's just now beginning to unfold. We've only seen at this point episode or, or issue zero. So I don't know. I don't have anything else on that unless you do. Uh, no, I don't. But before, while going into this next part, I have to ask you, does your opinion of Beast change? Because I remember you telling me a few months back, man, I hate Beast. I think it, I think you didn't like him because he was with the human Inhumans. So now that we have this, now that we have this clear explanation <laughs> on why he's there, yeah, I was actually waiting for that question to be honest <laughs> with you, it, and it did. It it actually did. It it, uh, it it did change my opinion of him a little bit. He did redeem himself a little bit in in this issue, only because of what he does toward the end of the issue. Uh, does does he redeem himself? Somewhat. Yeah, I mean- and it, it, it does seem like he's there for all the right reasons, you know, because science and other things. He's trying to save his people. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I like that camaraderie he had with, what's her name, Psycho or Psycho? ISO or something. ISO, yeah, ISO. Yeah. yeah, I love the camaraderie he had with her. And I thought, I, I see why he's there. And, you know, I could see your first opinion about how he's over there being a traitor and all this stuff. Uh, but to see the re- real reason why he's been over there this whole time and lay out in these books, uh, I'm sure kind of alleviate some of that frustration you had before. So what do you think about, oh, well, I want to ask you about the uh, magic and the limbo, uh, her taking folks there. And it looks like they're even establishing a base in limbo. Is that something that's been talked about a lot? Is it something they normally can go in and out of? No, 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 uh, no. Her, her limbo dimension. That was where, um, when we were talking about magic the last time, when I said, you know, how she was, uh, kidnapped and then brought back as a, as a teenager, when, when that happened, the demon limbo dimension, she does not really spend a lot of time there and very seldom takes people there. Usually she s- puts people in limbo that they're fighting with. And yes. it was like, okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, take you to limbo and leave you there for a week and, you know, come back and uh, send you back a second later, but you've been there a week or something like that. Um, <laughs> the, taking they that is actually the ex, uh the mansion they've uh transported the mansion to limbo really? to keep the school away from that terrigen cloud has it been there or is this like post it, uh, this is post secret wars so it's only been there since we found out last november december with with that that you had um the mansion actually moved to limbo 
okay, because I saw the drawing. I thought it was a mansion, but they call it X Haven or something. So I I wasn't sure, but I was like, no way they could transport a whole mansion over there. So <laughs> I thought it was something just built there. Uh, but the, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it looks like, at least from from watching that, that you're go- or reading that, that you're going to have, you know, the mansion come back, which you know we'll get to that in just a minute. There, it's not going well. I'll go ahead and say this: it's been being called the Gene Grave School for Higher Learning since Gene died. Well, they're going to rechristen it, I believe, to being back to the Xavier Institute. Now that it's going to be more of a school again, not not a haven anymore. Okay, so there's a few things in this uh, this issue I really didn't understand, and I'm sure we're going to see about in the coming issues. Uh, the Savage Land, when they go and plant this some type of um, instrumentation there, I don't, I don't really get what's going on with that. Uh, seemed like it just kind of fizzled out by the end of the episode. They didn't really talk about. It. Well, I guess they showed them running from some dinosaurs or something, but to me, it really didn't make any sense. All right, the Savage Land has been around since uh, the '70s, and it is exactly what they refer to it as as being this little pocket of prehistoric where dinosaurs are still living and you've got the um and it's located somewhere in antarctica is how you get to it it's under this ice dome or whatever in antarctica you go to the savage land and then there's this prehistoric land which is actually key because that it is the pterogen seeping into the savage land that prompts beast to go back to storm I got you. So that's something we've seen already in the in the I want to say the future, but in the books. Yes, the Savage Land has like the one of the first uh, or a few missions of the all new X Men back in the uh, late seventies when you had Storm and Colossus and Wolverine join was they went to the Savage Land for the first time. And that was one of their first or second or third or fifth. Or, you know, it wasn't long after that team formed that they went to the Savage Land for the first time. Okay, so let me ask you about the new beast or the young beast. Okay. Um, of course, in his movie version is, is kind of skinny guy. He's not really a big dude. <laughs> uh, in the book, the young beast, he's – is he like – his? it looks like his feet are beast-like, but – is he he's wearing a suit he doesn't have fur so i'm kind of confused on his look all right uh, in, in in the comic even back then he always had those uh and i think he was mostly supposed to be a throwback to a caveman kind of and his the dichotomy was he was super smart but yet he had this caveman like look with the big feet and the big hands but but back in the 60s he didn't have the blue fur or the you know the the beast look he was called beast you know even back then but he didn't have the whole um furry mutation that actually came from him experimenting on himself that he got got the fur and the fangs and all of that that wasn't what you see as the young beast that you're referring to with the big hands the big feet and kind of bulky look is how he was originally drawn awesome awesome 
So uh, what do you think about these guys all living in like a, a Volkswagen or something, whatever, a Beetle van or whatever? Well, I, the, I'll tell you what my favorite thing about the van. You do know how they all fit in there, right? I have. I know it's not a timey-wimey thing. So well, 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 it kind of is. They don't really say that. but Because um, he says there's lots of room in there. You know, yeah, I think Iron yeah, Man says that. Yeah, and he said it's bigger on the inside. Oh. <sighs> That's that that the, ever since they did that, I've loved uh, the <laughs> the Winnebago van or whatever that they uh, that they actually called it and said it's bigger on the inside. So oh, that's, that's crazy. That's kind of they you know they gave some other reason for it, some kind of extra dimensional uh, you know uh, displacement of something or the other. But they pretty much say, oh, it's bigger on the inside. So we. We Did both they show know where that comes. Of it? Yeah, I think they've been in it before, but they hadn't really, I, to my knowledge. Um, and they even did that with the Fantastic Four once, where uh, the little girl Valeria created some kind of playroom or some kind of something that she said was bigger on the inside. And I think she even uh, made a reference to. I got the idea from watching Doctor Who. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Now, speaking of Emma and speaking of the Winnebago and speaking of the young beast, what did you think of the point to where she goes and her reaction to seeing young Cyclops? Uh, I think it kind of just proves our notion earlier that she's really jaded by him dying in such a, 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 a inhumane fashion. Uh, and she's out for revenge. And we see the diamond tear, I guess, hit shatter. Well, not shatter, but hit the ground. Right. Now, so, uh, so we know uh, that the beast spends a year, and, and that's what AVX Zero does, is, is it takes you from the time when Cyclops dies up until the present. So you see pretty much every couple of pages, six months have passed, two months have passed, three weeks have passed, or whatever, and you see glimpses of what Emma's done or what the Inhumans have done. And what the beast is doing. What do you think about when the beast goes and he talks and he says about the cure for the impox? What did you think of that? Uh, well, it's funny because um, he has so much um, optimism early on about them actually finding a cure for this. And by i guess after months pass and they've done all their work you know he just sees to where um is is not going to be able to they're not going to be able to produce a wide scale cure they're going to have to do it suit uh i guess triggered or geared toward each individual person so which is almost imp impossible to do yeah yeah so i thought that was uh man just the meat just can't catch a break can <laughs> um so, yeah, I thought that was interesting, but even more so um, what they show in the following pages where he kind of like, um, I guess, shadows. I guess a spy, but yeah, he did spy <laughs> on Medusa and, and see her kind of have this reaction of of his news. They're saying that we're just have, telling her people that they have to be ready. Yeah, uh, and here's exactly what she says. And he, he basically, and, and I, I'm going to give it that he doesn't spy. He actually, because of his... Uh, hearing, you know, because of his abilities, he hears her say, Black Bolt, all of you. And then they show him, and he has climbed up 
and, and you're right, it's kind of hiding uh, above this big display of where she's at. And she's, well, let, uh-huh. well let, let me just say before you go on, I, that's a good observation of him hearing that. Because I'm like, how does, because, you know, they show the close up of his ear and his eye and they have like Black Bolt, all of you. I didn't really know he had super hearing, but I guess he does. Well, we know that he has enhanced senses. So, for instance, part of, because go back to him being the other beast, the younger beast. Part of his mutation is his agility. He, so he's got enhanced senses, enhanced strength. So that would be enhanced, eye, you know, hearing, smell, vision, you know, all of that. So, um, and he can pretty much use his feet just as nimbly or just as well as he could use his hands so that's part of the uh original beast's powers so that's where i'm getting from him you know the showing the close up the ear and him doing that and then going and listening to her okay a little less uh (laughs) spy centric as i thought it was (laughs) which which you know I, i still say even if i'm thinking it's not more spying it's him listening he chooses the fact to go listen yeah you know and get a closer look yeah i mean i don't blame him much given the news that he just gave her so yeah i kind of don't blame him too much for trying to see what she's actually talking about and 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 what is she actually talking about right well so here's what she says she says but a day will come when the mutants lose their patience with him with us and with this uh and and with this truce excuse me Another attack will come. We will not start that fight, but we will be ready to win it. And the look on his face is what redeems him for me. Yeah, he looks pretty pissed. So my question is, on the very next page, we've got, in New York City, we've got Emma, obviously, at the Hellfire Club, talking to someone that we can't see. Yeah, that I, I was a little confused by that, and I um, have no idea who this n- other person is. Somebody I mean, in a sparkly dress, sparkly dress, <laughs> and you know, there's there's probably a the fact that they're ho- hiding the faces for a reason, you know. But I, you know, I'm I'm kind of curious as to who she might be. Um, no giveaways. No giveaways. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at at it again and even reading it i had no clue as to um who she might be so um that'll be interesting to find out uh what the twist is of who who this might be yes yes i think that would be interesting and and right now i'm kind of drawing a blank because it's (laughs) obviously somebody that we know um i'm the only person that popped into my head which I don't know if they would want to go with this because I couldn't, but, 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 nah, I mean, I'm speculating even as we're talking, (laughs) but I'm wondering if it's older Gene. Oh man, would that be big? That That would would be, be that would be quite interesting. So she's been hiding out at the Hellfire Club all this time. (laughs) No, she's, well, she's actually alive per se as an entity. She fused at some point with the, um, phoenix and became like the phoenix queen and is in something called the white hot room of somewhere and some 
I, I don't completely understand it, but her her essence is supposed to be alive somewhere in the white hot room. But like I said, I don't completely understand that. Um, but but speaking of Jean Grey, and speaking of something that you said at the beginning of our conversation, it looks like in twenty seventeen in apply twenty seventeen things will be on the upkeep for the X Men. Yeah. So. Uh... What, what what books do we have coming up? It seems like it should be an exciting year for uh, X-Men. <laughs> well, there will be, for the first time ever, speaking of Jean Grey, uh, there will be a, not a miniseries, but a series featuring Jean Grey. And it's uh, going to be just called Jean Grey, which I think will be interesting. She's never been fully in the spotlight by herself. And from what I've read, uh, she may have a fiery future ahead of her. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. And uh, again, like we said earlier, it would be uh, cool to see them. I'm not going to say rehash old stories, but see this young Jean Grey discover what her possibilities or her full potential, I should say. Uh, and, and it would it would be interesting to see that unfold differently from the same character but you know you're you're you are your experiences your surroundings so her path is going to be uh should be very different from the Gray we know so all right and, and i'm going to use a word that you said but take it just a little bit in in the um other direction or even no not in the other direction but in the same direction you said that that was cool i'm going to you know lower the temperature just a little bit more to not be cool but to be a little bit icy and and because this next one will be Iceman number one which he has had a limited series before back in the 80s I think it was four issues but he's never had an ongoing now I don't know if this one is going to feature the older or the younger or both but it will be featuring Iceman yeah, and it seems like from the byline it says he will it'll follow the adult Bobby Drake and it's ah, like the, okay. the, the outing of the younger okay. time displaced Iceman. Right. So that it should be some interesting dynamics on uh, that whole relationship and I, that might make for a pretty interesting story. The, the, the simple fact of you having both versions in the same story interacting, I think, well, you know, that's almost like a two doctor story or something but but you know this the the whole idea of having the same person featured in in the story is interesting to me regardless yeah i agree now there's another one called weapon x that's coming out which is a rehashing of the program that actually created wolverine and several other characters but this one will be more like a black ops team of individuals that will feature Sabretooth and several other characters. The, I'll, I'll be honest, it looks like just from reading, this may be the one that I have less interest in. Just from yeah. reading the synopsis. Yeah. It says a new Weapon X program which aims to exterminate mutants. So I was kind of a little confused about that. So this, does that mean there will be this group of people trying to kill uh, 
the people that are featured in his book i like, guess so like well there's always think about it over the years there have been there was something called the friends of humanity and their thing was to exterminate all mutants uh kill all mutants there have been the mutant liberation front that i think was trying to get rid of the x-men you had uh you know so you know they just kind of uh, um okay look at it okay look at it uh, like any of these supremacist type groups in in the real world they may yeah. change their name but they are still the same uh, people they are still the same you know ideology that just because yeah. you call them one thing and call them another thing doesn't change what they are same thing for you know they may be calling them the friends of humanity in the 80s or weapon x now in you know 2017 but their goal is still the same yeah since, since we're going to see the hero heroes and, and uh villains or anti-heroes uh grouping up in this book I'm trying to I'm kind of figure out who is going to be power powerful enough to take them on. <laughs> I'm really kind of confused as to that part. Uh, so I guess we'll see something interesting because they're going to have to have a, a pretty powerful foe to actually be good enough to actually give these dudes a challenge. So uh, we'll see. We'll see, and it may you know we may be talking. Uh, six months, eight months down the road, and, and I'll say, now you remember back in episode 27 where I said that Weapon X would probably not be my favorite book? Well, guess what? <laughs> I was wrong. So yeah. who knows? Uh, I can't, you know, and I shouldn't prejudge a book based on having not read it six months ahead of time. But I will say that I'm interested to see a revision of a book that I honestly didn't enjoy when I read it back in the uh, 90s, which was Generation X. Um, it was the next generation of New Mutants, and for the most part, I didn't really care for them, mainly because Jubilee was front and center. And even though <laughs> Jubilee is going to be in this book, the premise behind what they're doing with this is they're, t they're, they're bringing the x-men back home and so saying their ideology and you're going to have mutants that the x-men associate with now not just be the x-men and the students but you're going to have the x-men or people who are you know more primed to fight for the mutant cause you'll have the school and you yeah. will also have people who are like ambassadors. But then you're going to have these other people that may come in contact with the X-Men who may not fit in with being the next generation of X-Men. Whether it's because they have powers that don't do well in a fighting situation or they just don't have the personality to be that type of person. So... Um, yeah, this this looks like the Misfits type book. Yeah, think of the British show, the Misfit Misfits, and put in X Men. Yeah, that's what <laughs> but, I was but, thinking. But but actually, what this does make me think of a lot is the um, we have the step the step cuckoos mm -hmm. who actually go and recruit the guy from the UK who they bring to who's the alchemy guy who can like turn the cloud to be something else and destroy it right. and winds up dying. So. Uh, and the we see the 
Emma Frost Cyclops, you know, luring this dude on. You can be an X Man, you know, you we really need you and stuff. So that's kind of what this book makes me think of because that guy was really a misfit. He he wanted no part of it, but you know, he kind of paid the ultimate price by joining in on the fight. So you know, and, and and I think that's you know that's that's why is because not everyone's a fighter. You know, not everybody is cut out to do the do that. Otherwise, everybody would be an X Man. You know, yeah. And the interesting part is they will be bringing back a concept we've not seen since 1990 with X-Men number one, which was the very first second X-Men book, um, which is having a gold and a blue team. And now, I really don't understand this, so maybe you can uh, explain. Why, why do we need two books and two different teams? All right, so I think they are using the gold and blue as a way to kind of connect to the uh how, am I, how do i want to word this first string and second string <laughs> no, no, no 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 not not first and second screen stream but i think what they're trying to do is reconnect with that feeling that people had when in um uh, 1990 when you released x-men number one in 1990 it sold i think four million copies which is i think the highest selling comic book of all time so this was the height of x-men popularity this is this is the book for which the costumes for the x-men and the x-men cartoon was based on you know this is this is that that look uh that you know that's when the X-Men were kind of like at the peak of their popularity back in the 80s and 90s was was with this release of X-Men number 1 and when they did that because now you had two books what they did there was they said okay in Uncanny X-Men you're going to have Storm leading a team they're going to be this I think they were X-Men Gold then you would have the X-Men Blue, the Blue team, which would have been led by Cyclops. The, where does Blue and Gold come from? The original X-Men costumes from the 60s were Blue and Gold. So that was, that was the... So I think they're trying to be a little bit connecting with the past in the naming as to, oh, cool, I've not read the X-Men for 10 years because blah, 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 blah. I don't care if it's extraordinary. I don't care if it's astonishing. Oh, X-Men Blue and Gold, that sounds familiar. I want to go buy that. I think that's a marketing thing to uh, boil it all down. And from the the uh, the covers that we got already, do you see that they're drawn distinctively different? One thing I do see right off is Storm doesn't have a Mohawk anymore. So <laughs> Yeah, I noticed that too. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, I like the Mohawk, but, you know, make her look like Storm more again. And uh, I like the fact you brought Kitty back from Gardens of the Galaxy, and now she's back home where she belongs. Uh, I like the fact that they brought Rachel back in, because Rachel's always been one of my favorites. So, um, I do- go ahead. I was just saying it does seem from the, at least from the blue cover, they're more... Traditional, like, yeah, more traditional, like a team look, look and feel. They're all wearing the X uh, suits 
kind of, and on the goal, they're kind of all doing their own thing, more or less. Looks like it. Yeah, the the and you know, and I'll post this to our Facebook page, which I've already posted the covers on our Facebook, which is facebook.com backslash discussing who. But um, is if you go back and look at X Factor number one back from 1985, and you look at the cover of X-Men Blue number one, the similarities are obvious. You know, it's obvious that they pl- played uh, homage to X-Factor number one in that um, image of the original five X-Men. Yes, definitely, definitely. And the interesting thing is, which is actually something that they've done back in the uh, 80s with the New Mutants, was having the Magneto now be the mentor to these younger uh, students, which they did that when Charles was off planet for several years back in the 80s. So I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic for them to now be taught and remember these are the younger x-men so i think it's going to be interesting to have them be taught by who just before they came to the future was their greatest enemy yeah so you're saying he's gonna be at the school kind of taking xavier's role or from my understanding that would be a true statement awesome so you know having said all of that it looks like the death of x some <coughs> excuse me the death of x at least symbolically may be the death of x as it's been the last couple of years and this resurrection that they're coming to will be a resurrection of the x-men that i would be much more happy to see than what we've had for the last you know five ten years you know, I know it's blasphemy to you, but do, do we get any news on the Inhumans uh, coming up this year, or have they just taken a total backseat to uh, all the X Men announcements that's now, coming up? Their their books, as part of this, will be relaunched. The X, uh, I mean, the Inhumans, w- the royal family will be going off into space. I do know that, and I think they're th- they will have a book where Black Bolt will have his own book, the Royals, as they will be calling them, or this book will have a book, and then maybe Crystal's team will still be uh, a book. I'm not certain on that, though, but I do know the Royals and Black Bolt will be, um, you know, a book for 2017 with the Inhumans. Well, that's interesting how they could clear the air by sending them space and kind of giving people their X-Men back. So, yeah, it seems like it'd be some interesting times coming up. Well, like I said, as long as I get, uh, you know, as, as at the end of the day, and I think we both said this and Lee has said this, you tell a good story and then people are going to be attracted to the story. If you If you tell something strictly for marketing, and you expect to have a sophisticated, intelligent audience, people are going to know you're just telling that for marketing. Yes. So, all right. Well, I think we pretty much laid, uh, literally laid uh, a uh, death of X to rest. What do you think? I agree. All right. So let me ask you this. Do you have anything that you're working on? 
Uh, nothing interesting. I'll just uh, tell people just keep visiting the site and we'll have keep pumping out content for them and doing these things we enjoy doing. Good deal. Good deal. And I echo that. Uh, we are at discussingwho.com. And feel free to, if you're subscribing to iTunes, you know, please leave us some feedback because that does allow us to get discovered on iTunes. And if you um, could leave us some feedback, we would appreciate it. Or if you want to record some feedback that you would like to have featured on an upcoming show, you can do that as well. You can record it on your phone and send it as an audio to discussingwho at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at the number that Clarence is about to give you. 805-850-D <laughs> who? Good deal. You know, it's the easiest number in the world to remember, but, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> call my brain time displays because I never remember it. And <laughs> uh, with that, um, you know, check out, like I said, our website, follow us on Twitter at Discussing Who. And Clarence, um, let me ask you this. Do you have anything else for this episode? Uh, Nothing at all, man. Just have fun. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right. I agree with you. And with that, we are out of here. You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.